you so much, Darren. That was thought-provoking. The idea of being a scanned avatar living inside Facebook. I wonder what myself is up to at the moment. I hope it's having fun. But on to the wonderful Elsie. Um, I'm really looking forward to her talk. So um, please give it up for Elsie, whose last name still eludes me. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Um, I just want to acknowledge that we are meeting on Aboriginal land, as some have done before me, and um, to honour the elders past and present, particularly Aunty Mary, uh, and also to say that we are meeting on land that is Aboriginal land and always will be Aboriginal land, and that's a pretty important point to keep in mind. So uh, my talk today, um, and I am using PowerPoint, so I better work out how this big, big green button works. Um, on Sunday, there's a workshop with this title. So I'm really doing a taster for um, ideas that people might want to come along and explore around power and value in the new economy. And really, it's a sort of... It's probably just a bit of a walk through ideas that I've accumulated over time about the things that are important and, you know, referencing the people that have um, contributed to me forming those ideas. And I suppose in acknowledging that, I'd like to sort of acknowledge the people whose shoulders I'm standing on today because, you know, starting with Michelle, as soon as she started to do her presentation, I felt like the six slides I'd pulled out of mine she had already presented. And when I heard, you know... Um, Aunty Mary speak, I mean, clearly all the stuff that, thinking how does this stuff get expressed around cultural hegemony and issues around Aboriginality. And so um, it's feeling good coming up and speaking after uh, all the wonderful presentations we had today. So having said all that, um, the conversation we have to have is what I'm calling it. So it is going to be a bit provocative. Because what I want to talk about is white men behaving badly, politically, environmentally and socially. Now, I want to have the conversation and I'd like to be having it in the sense of a relationship with you, an individual relationship with you, and I'd like to have the conversation in the sense that I do love men and I, I have had a father who loved me unconditionally, a partner who loved me unconditionally and I have a a son who loves me unconditionally. So I don't hate men and I don't blame men. But I think increasingly there's something, one of those big elephants in the room that we're not talking about. And my sense is what's happening in the world at the moment, if you look at Charlottesville, it's the canary in the mind. I mean, mine, hand in the mind. But, um, you know, I think white supremacy is a real problem. So I'm going to go through a whole lot of slides here because I've got an academic background um, and just I suppose explore some ideas but I really hope that if people are interested in them or want to challenge them or have a different frame that people will come along on Sunday morning and and join in the conversation so I better watch it because I'm only on short time here and I'm doing a lot of introing so Defining the terms if we're looking at the new economy and this has already been talked about but um, these ideas of solidarity, sharing, social justice, earth law, I won't go through all of them, but they are radical ideas for the mainstream. And as has been alluded to, we are going to have 
a lot of opposition to them. And, and the sort of opposition we see, it's important that we learn how that opposition works if we're going to counteract it and come up with our own, uh, you know, Hayek and the, the neoliberals did it in the 80s. If we really want to change society, we're going to have to come up with our own... Uh, uh, understanding of how society works and how it can be changed. So those, in the sense of what's the relevance for the new economy, we need to look at what any of the problems could be and try to address them. So in terms of power, where is power located on the planet? Um, the fact that eight white males own more than the poorest half of the world combined, I mean, is that something we should be taking note of and what does that mean? The impact of white Western male privilege um, and uh, as Foucault suggests, we're all vehicles of power. So it's not just about sort of projecting power over us and being controlled by those eight males and, and other individual males. It's about what are we doing as a society to allow eight people to have that sort of power. So in terms of value, what do we value? Um, Obviously, financial and social success is valued, accumulation of resources, all those things, prowess in sport, achieving celebrity status. Um, and, and, and in terms of what gets remunerated in, in value, we have to ask, is white men's work valued more than others? So we have a gendered social system. I think people understand that. I think people understand the idea of the gender lens. And look, I walk around with a gender lens a lot. It just has become second nature to me. And, um, you know, when you put the gender lens on, you can see that we've got a very gendered society. And I don't need to um, extrapolate on that because I think it's pretty irrefutable that power uh, rests with men fundamentally in society and has for a long time. And so it's pretty hard to say, you know, if, if men have been driving the bus and at the front and controlling where we go, that there's not some sense of, is it worth checking out whether there's something about that imbalance that's contributing to the problem? And within the group of uh, white mess, you know, white Western men have emerged as preeminent in... in um, global terms and um, the recent reports about white supremacy and terrorism, interesting that the research is suggesting that in the personal stories of the people involved in that, there's a strong link to violence against women. And I think, you know, the election of Donald Trump is, you know, perhaps the patriarchy laid bare and, you know, interesting statistics like 94% um, of black American women did not vote for him, they voted for Clinton. We're all born with patriarchal maps, so whether you're a man or a woman, we've still been born into a world that was patriarchal, and I don't think there's anyone that hasn't been in the room. Hopefully, in a few years' time, we might be able to say that in some cultures, and there are indications that women are taking stronger roles in lots of different parts in the world, but there may not be such a patriarchal map for a child to be born into. So it's just sort of leading into, well, if we go there, and, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, lots of things people probably want to say to refute some of those things, but if we go there, how does hegemony operate? So how are we controlled? Um, so I've got the John Beat Mary, Beat Mary or Bashes Mary um, scenario up here, which some people may be familiar with. It's an um, American feminist uh, explaining around violence against women and what happens to this concept of victimhood and how you change the dialogue. So how the sort of ruling class, ruling ideas can change how we think about something. So if we say John Bashes Mary we can then say Mary is bashed by John. 
and then it becomes, well, Mary's battered, and then it becomes Mary is a battered woman. So all we talk about is battered women and Mary being a battered woman. And what's happened is we've lost John. John's got dropped off in terms of accountability or the gays. And you know that a lot of feminist stuff it talks about the fact that, you know, we are construct women are constructed by the male gaze. And in that sense, males have been good at deflecting that gaze off themselves. And that's a sort of an indication of how that happens. And I think if you look at the, the fact that the um, you know, the fifth UN um, developmental goal on gender equity. What does that mean when you hear that? You know, people think gender is about women. Gender equity is a problem because men are not sharing power. And so it is a, it's a problem. It's a male problem, not a woman problem. I'm also linking in gender and race. So um, in terms of movements for gender and racial equity, They've been closely linked and it could be said share a common enemy or at least a common hegemony. So looking at women in power, and I think this photo's, you know, a really important one and probably we could talk about it for a very long time, but the allusions to the witch, which were very scary for a lot of people and um, uh, I think for a lot of women, and uh, Silvia Federici, the Italian Marxist, you know, who wrote the um, Caliban and the Witch, really draws attention to the fact that, you know, whether you believe it was 200,000 or 9 million women killed as witches, that that led into something that's made women a lot more controllable and amenable. And then we look at a context where we move into an economy where women have agreed to work for nothing and have accepted it and are still accepting it and, in a sense, give over that power of the value of their work. Um, and... Uh, in feminist economics, the um, the economy is uh, a way in, is seen as a way in which humans collectively organise in order to guarantee their survival, and by working and using natural resources, humans produce their livelihood through the production of goods as well as through individual social and generative reproduction, and you know that really parallels well with some traditional societies, particularly Aboriginal society here in Australia, where, um, as an Aboriginal uh, academic for Monash says, that you know, the cosmology for Aboriginal people is survival and that that sits very well, you know, that the whole sense of the feminist um, economy and economics came from oikos, the Greek word for household, and how do you manage one? And so that sense of managing um, the family and the economy and the community to survive is an important one. I'm going to move quickly now because of time. So I'm linking together cultural hegemony and um, the gender issue around gender hegemony, and I think there's a lot of parallels. The movements have paralleled well here in Australia and in, uh, particularly in America, the black rights movements and the feminist movements have, you know, worked off each other and, and have contributed to each other's um, uh, seeking, you know, some sort of sense of being able to gain back equality. Um, and people will recognise Gary Foley there, who, you know, is still a very strong advocate. And, um, you know, we can clearly see it in Australia how Aboriginal people were just written out of history. And, uh, you know, we, we, we don't have the true history of... Um, well, we do have it in some pockets, but clearly, you know, we've been given this fabricated version of what happened. And the interesting thing is that there's a sense of we're, we're happy to celebrate Aboriginal culture as Stone Age, but we haven't actually been able to engage with it as a living culture that's actually developed and changed as time went on, and we haven't recorded it and integrated it, as it has happened in our lived lives, 
you know, they are people who've been here influencing what goes on, but we haven't been recording it. So it's that same thing about silencing and cutting things out. Uh, and as Marcia Langdon uh, says, you know, is it possible that Australians will one day recognise the nations enclosed within their Commonwealth? And I think it was really interesting listening to Auntie Mary this morning about the relational uh, ethos. Uh, you know, I think the, just the ignorance and the arrogance of sort of coming here um, and assuming that that the, the white culture was dominant and that, that the culture that was already here was somehow ignorant and, you know, down the scale of, uh, you know, uh, intelligence or, uh, you know, we look at that now and I, and I think there is hope. You know, we are starting to look differently at uh, the, the problems we can't solve in the environment and start to think, well, people were living here for over 65,000 years and seem to be living pretty well and were pretty healthy. And, and obviously, as we hear from Aunty Mary, there's a complex system of life going on here that managed the country and, you know, and, and over 200 nations of people living um, in a well-organised way. So a lot to learn. Um, and listen to. So um, probably one of the theorists that had the biggest impact on me, apart from all of the feminist ones, obviously, but uh, Antonio Gramsci and his idea about the war of position, because if we look at it, the problem that he alludes to is the fact that we can have a war of movement and we can change the powers, but we, if we don't change the thinking, we don't change the culture. And that's our big challenge. How do you have a revolution and a change but actually change the ideas? So, you know, and, and his suggestion is that the only viability for the West is to have that resistance to domination with culture, so that, and a resistance to domination in gender, I would say. So, um, and uh, I'll just need to rush because of time, but I suppose another big influence is Foucault and that sense of power and not seeing power as something that is out of... We are all vehicles of power. We can all use that power. And I think the fish example is a good one because, you know, the power of a million people together to deciding to do something is worth more than $30 trillion in a bank account in the Cayman Islands. And we've got to sort of think a bit more like that, that we actually have a lot of power. So... I've been drawn to this topic because of being around the new economy for the last five years. Um, I don't see gender and culture being treated much differently from what they have for the last couple of hundred years. And I, I think it's an issue and I think it's something that we need to be looking at. If we really want a new economy, there's a whole lot of people doing a lot of stuff. I'm Claire Land's Decolonising Solidarity. Um, she's a protege of Gary Foley. Uh, and that's looking at how can we actually work with um, people, uh, listen to uh, what Aboriginal people have to say, let, allow space for leadership, um, be part of learning uh, and promoting ideas that are new to us. And those same things really apply to the gender lens. Uh, and I'm not going to go through all that now because I have said I will finish on time. So bringing balance back to the planet, there's a challenge. Uh, and, and just the bell hooks thing really is about saying, I don't know if people have read her article recently, she's a black American feminist, but that we need to love men and we need to do it with men. And that the, it isn't women's problem. <laughs> our problem really is what's happening to our men and with our men. And, and the challenge really is how can we become part of the solution, take the gaze off us, put it back onto men in a way that's compassionate. Thank you.